Father, we pray that you would change us by it. So pour out your spirit and give grace that we may be transformed and that we may obey and that we may love you more faithfully through it. For Christ's sake, amen. All right, well, let's begin uh, just by reading uh, our verse. Well, let's start at, in verse 8. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, um, and then we'll just read uh, through verse 10. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Well, this evening we get an insider's view into the heart of a pastor as people come and go in and out of his life. Just a little helpful background information. This is uh, the very last letter, the last epistle that Paul ever wrote before he gave his life up for the sake of the gospel. And he's reached the end of his rope. He knows it. He knows that it's about to end for him, this life. And so he pens this final letter to Timothy and we come to this place in it where he is pulling back the sleeve of his heart and he's giving us a taste of just how badly he longs to see Timothy just one more time. We just saw in verse 9, Paul urging Timothy to come to him quickly. He does it again in verse 21. There's an urgency here because it would literally take at least a couple of months for this letter to get to Timothy, for him to even respond to it. We, we don't have cell phones. We don't have technology. Uh, this letter has to get to him by courier, and there's a good chance that they'll never see one another again, and that, that stings. You, you feel the overtone of the sadness um, in this letter, particularly in this place. And so uh, the first point that uh, I want to dive into uh, on this evening is that our gospel fidelity toward one another is deeply personal. Our gospel fidelity toward one another is deeply personal. And this is exasperated by the fact that others have departed as well. Um, so in verse 10, we see that Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, both probably for good gospel purposes, uh, for faithful missions, gospel reasons. But really the focus of verse 10 falls on Demas, who Paul says has deserted him and gone to Thessalonica. Well, one of the things that jumped out to me is that Paul doesn't say that Demas deserted the church, but he says that he deserted me. He deserted me. So again, these, these gospel friendships are deeply personal. And though some people depart for good, noble reasons and others for bad, regardless of whether or not um, their noble purposes or for sinful purposes, it stings. It stings nevertheless. The pastor, he feels it. 
And he's letting us know here. Uh, sometimes it hurts more than others, but regardless, he's feeling the sting. And verse 10 exists because even Paul, the great apostle himself, cannot go at it alone. He needs gospel partnerships, and when those partnerships come to an end, he feels the experience of the hurt. This is one of the reasons why the idea of the, the lone wolf solo Christian is so out of place. This is also why remote virtual church is such a bad idea. You cannot cultivate meaningful gospel-centered friendships over Zoom and over YouTube. And this is why we also so strongly encourage you to attend the formal gatherings of the church here. We want to see you prioritize them. We want to see you make good use of the services here for the sake of gospel fidelity toward one another because ministry is deeply personal. I know many of you have told me that you're always looking around to see who's here, who's not here. It matters to us. It's personal. So when you stop coming to church like Demas, we feel it. We feel it like Paul feels it here. It makes us sad. It makes us concerned for you. We become troubled for your soul, and that's why we come after you. When you stop attending, the Lord is, the Lord is testing you. It is a test. He's challenging the affections of your heart, which leads us to our second point. Our gospel fidelity toward one another is tested. Our gospel fidelity toward one another is tested. Paul says that Demas was in love with this present world. This is the cause of his departure. Love for the world is the test, and his failure of the test is why he ultimately deserts. Now, this, this isn't a new love, but it's a renewed love for an old, an old flame, and that's important. That's what the test looks like. She's a familiar face, and she knows all the places of your heart. So who exactly is this love that Demas has departed for? Well, I think there's a, you know, in a devotion, I wouldn't normally spend a lot of time looking at the Greek, but here I think it's helpful. The Greek word for present, in, in the use of present world, Demas is in love with this present world, the Greek word for present is nin, and nin means now. But what's even more interesting is that the typical word for world, cosmos, is not what Paul uses here. He uses the Greek word aeon, and aeon means age. It is an epic of time. So if we were doing a literal translation, Paul is saying that Demas deserted him because he's in love with this present age this now age, this present epoch of time. He's not saying that Demas fell in love with the cosmos. It's true that he had, but it's not a particular person, place, or thing that he points to, but it's a misplaced love for the times. And that's important for context. It's really a big part of the reason why we read verse 8, but we'll get to that in the next point. What mattered to Demas was this life, right here, right now. And so he made a decision to leave, and that decision was based not on the age to come, but it was based on his love for this present age 
the one that we are currently in. Crescens and Titus left Paul too, but their departures were noble. They were good. They were gospel-centered causes. They were probably sent by the apostle himself. So what we have here is a model of what it looks to leave well and what it looks like to leave poorly. It's not a list of do's and don'ts, but it's just a model to consider. Because you are free in Christ, and the time may come in your life when you consider leaving this area. And if and when this happens, this is, this is a good model to consider in your decision-making process. Is your depending departure based on this age? Love for this age like it was for Demas? And we don't know what happened to him. He was most certainly a close confidant to Paul. Paul mentions Demas in Colossians. He also mentions him in his final, final greetings in Philemon. So these, these are, they, they, were, they were friends in, in, in the gospel, a deep relationship. And we don't know that he went apostate. It's not what Scripture tells us. We just know that he left for Thessalonica because he was in love for this age Maybe he decided that ministry with Paul hadn't panned out the way that he hoped it would. Maybe he was seeking to find his purpose in that ministry, and when it let him down, he just said, you know what, this is too tough. I'm out of here. I'm heading over to Thessalonica. Maybe it's warmer there. Maybe the taxes are better. Maybe the political climate is more in line with his ethos. Maybe he could make more money there. It was centrally located through main trade routes to the Roman Empire. Maybe he could have made a better career making more money. The point I'm making is that Demas's desertion of Paul isn't just about leaving the faith, but it's more about Demas leaving Paul because this age was more important to him than the next. That's the root issue. Those are the optics of this verse. It's the picture that Paul gives us. It's the test that Demas failed. And I'm not saying that you can't leave the Fox Valley area, right? I'm, I'm not saying that. You, you know, it's not like you can only leave here if you're going to plant a church or become a missionary. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't leave for a better life. I'm just simply pointing out that if the opportunity comes along, this is a good model to consider to test your heart and your motives. Where does your love lie? That's the question, which leads us to our third and final point. Our gospel fidelity toward one another can and should be strengthened. Our gospel fidelity toward one another can and should be strengthened. That's the question, so how do we do that? Well, this is where we go back to verse 8. I want you to look there again. Paul is talking about the grim reality that his race is almost over. He knows it. And he says to Timothy in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says that not only will he receive the reward, but so 
Well, those who love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a subtlety here I'm trying to point out to you. He doesn't say all of those who have loved Jesus, but he says all of those who have loved his appearing. In other words, Paul is talking about those who love the age to come ushered in by the return of Jesus. That's why the word world in verse 10, I think, is better translated to age. Paul is pitting Demas' love for this present age against his love for the age to come. It's age versus age. That is the battle Demas was in. That is the battle you are in, Christian. Age versus age. Now, the reality here is that our horizontal relationships, our fidelity to one another is strengthened by our vertical love for the return of Christ. The better we are at loving the appearing of Jesus Christ, the stronger our bonds will be as a church family. This is why all of the epistles are eschatologically motivated. Peter, Paul, James, John, they're end times motivated. Peter says that we place all of our hope in the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Demas was not doing that. He was placing his hope into the comfort and security he could get out of this life, so he went to Thessalonica. Peter points forward, and so does Paul. Ephesians 2, 7. This is just such a sweet verse, and it blows me away. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 7, that Jesus saved him so that in the coming ages, Jesus might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Jesus' plan is to show me and everyone who believes his immeasurable grace by, by being eternally kind to you and me. That's his plan for you, Christian. He wants to be eternally kind to you. He wants to put on the apron and wait at the table as you recline. You're coming in from the long journey. He's going to show you eternal kindness. And this is the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the question is, is that the reality that you live for? That. The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't the case for Demas. He fell victim to his first love. He is the proverbial dog who returns to the vomit. This is the picture of the Israelites in the desert, always wanting to go back to Egypt, to the leeks and to the onions and to the endless, you know, things that they could enjoy, right? That's what happened to Demas. He was not in love with the appearing of Jesus. This is why the Gospels are filled with so many warnings to stay awake, to stay alert, to be vigilant, to be on guard, Satan wants you to fall asleep at the wheel as we stand before, you know, all of the pleasures that are put before us and all the toil that we spend time pursuing them. 
And the stimulant that you need, the only stimulant that you need is not a cup of joe, but it's loving the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, cultivating a love for future grace is not rocket science. It's very simple. We commune with Christ and we exercise the means of grace. That means we prioritize the gathering the gatherings of the church in our lives. This is the most visible way you can demonstrate your love for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a foretaste of that time. You don't love being here. Pray tell, how much are you going to love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is exercise for that. We prioritize the gatherings. We also do this by engaging hospitality and having real relationships with one another. You guys excel at that. I'm always so encouraged to hear what's happening when we're not here together on Sunday or Wednesday. It's happening. Lots of hospitality, lots of book reading groups, and it's wonderful to see. Of course, you can't love what you don't understand. So you have to fill your mind with what the age to come will bring, and then you have to ponder it, and you have to think about it. If you love it, you will meditate on it. It's a simple formula. You do what you love, Christian. You are going to do what you love. If you don't love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not going to think about it. And you will love the world. That's the game. Age versus age. There is no in-between. If you never think about the age to come, then you don't love it. If you don't think about it, you don't love it. And of course, that makes it a matter of, of the heart. And so it depends on God's grace. It was a lot like we heard this morning about Honey, is it sweet to you or not? Do you love it or not? And if you don't, you better start praying. And of course, all of this, uh, and all of it, time is the commodity. This is what Satan seeks to steal from you, Christian, your time. Your time. How do you spend your time? I'll leave you with this question. If you spend all of your hours, all of your days working and building a career and raising kids in the home and tinkering with the things that your money buys, watching TV, and if you hardly make time to exercise the means of grace, then what epic of time are you really loving? Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would deliver us from the deceitfulness of riches and that by your grace you would train us to love the appearing of our Lord Jesus, that through it this church is built and Christ is glorified. Amen. Let's stand.